0: I recently saw this note that said some Silicon Valley executives are now preparing for the apocalypse. That widespread unemployment created by emerging technologies like artificial intelligence will create a total breakdown in civil order. Hi, I'm Scott Smith, and for now, ThinkCast is still here. Actually, Gardner analyst Wit Andrews says that we'll be here for a while. The machines are not taking over. Witt will be presenting on artificial intelligence at the upcoming Gartner Data and Analytics Summit, but right now we have him on the line from his office in Massachusetts. Witt, welcome. And I know I have given an answer to this already in a way, but with all the hype around artificial intelligence, I have to ask you directly, are the machines taking over?
1: Machines can't really take over. What we're doing is we're creating new kinds of programming, that allow us to create artificial intelligence within computing systems. That means that we get new kinds of intelligence. It does not mean that we get intelligence that replaces humans. It does not mean that we get intelligence that is like human intelligence. It's really different. One of the key things that we are looking for in artificial intelligence research over the next year is applications of the technology that outperforms the way that humans apply their own skills to a situation. We mean artificial intelligence can do something that a human can't. Maybe it can work more tirelessly, or maybe you can duplicate it and make it more numerous than you can humans, or maybe it can work faster, or maybe it can arrive at a novel solution. But none of those things means that it thinks like humans or replaces humans.
0: So then, with since it's us humans still setting the strategy and figuring out how to apply artificial intelligence to our operations, what should we be focused on right now to turn this to our advantage?
1: We tell clients to establish a portfolio of projects, that they can perform in an experimental fashion. So these are not IT projects that should be done in an ordinary IT-based approach. They are experiments. They will demand that organizations have access to uh, very sophisticated uh, skill sets, often from outside contractors. At the largest organizations, definitely from inside people, but for most organizations, they're going to be looking outside That portfolio of projects needs to be in areas where there's too much data and there's too much complexity for humans to apply their extraordinary intelligence in a way that is effective and productive. Instead those data sets can be acted on using machine learning techniques and tactics that are new that will generate the things that we've talked about. What's really important is to outperform the way that humans apply their own intelligence, and in order to get that, you're going to need that expertise, that skill, and you're going to need that software that will be able to perform that analysis at human speed or faster.
0: With all the buzz, and it seems like we've now suggested artificial intelligence is going to do everything from for us, from make us more money to cure cancer, what should we not expect to do right now with artificial intelligence?
1: Artificial intelligence does not replace human interaction. It does not replace human thinking. It does not replace human ingenuity. And it's a mistake to look for artificial intelligence in places where the unique proposition of human intelligence is the combination of emotional depth with intellectual firepower. So... I think it's important to understand, for example, that we feel like artificial intelligence has benefit and value as a way of augmenting managerial attention, for example. So as human activity becomes increasingly measurable and increasingly measured, it's a great way to improve a manager's ability to know what her employees are doing. But The artificial intelligence cannot be expected to respond to the employee's emotional needs. And let's face it, a workplace is a place where emotional power is enormously important. We believe that artificial intelligence can be applied in extraordinary fashions that allow applications to do things that they've never done effectively before. Let me give you an example. We know that artificial intelligence can route calls more effectively, as an example. It can see what kind of callers a particular call center representative or service representative is good at dealing with. And that caller evaluation can be done without prejudice and through an analytical process, and then it can be assigned to someone who has been evaluated with similar dispassion. That's a great way to apply artificial intelligence, but the artificial intelligence should not be expected to be able to make that emotional connection that's present every time that two people are working together to try to solve something.
0: I actually want to take a look at a series, um, some of the predictions that you and your colleagues have for where we're going with artificial intelligence. And I should be quick to stress to listeners who might be thinking, oh, great, we're going to look way in the future. These are only what's going to happen over the next few years. It so definitely will impact us all right away. One of the things that uh, Gardner predicts is that by 2019, startups will overtake Amazon, Google. IBM, and Microsoft in driving the artificial intelligence economy with disruptive business solutions. I'm sure that will startle a lot of listeners, with because we're always hearing how Google and Amazon and so forth are out in front in this type of thing. What's going on here?
1: Large vendors have access to resources that small vendors don't. That's absolutely true. A large vendor Somebody like Amazon, Google, IBM, Microsoft, they have access to enormous amounts of data. They have access to extraordinary expertise. And that has put them in a very strong position for jumping out ahead in the applications of artificial intelligence. But the skills and the resources that are represented there are increasingly available to smaller vendors through public data sets, as an example, and the staff. At somewhere like a, a, uh, one of the larger companies I mentioned, you know, they do tend sometimes to get antsy and to get excited about business opportunities that might be more extreme outside um, a more stable organization, which while they might feel like it's more secure, they might also feel like that, that reduced risk means less financial upside for them as people. So, we'll see small vendors begin to establish business-specific capabilities. We'll see applications emerge, and in fact, we're already seeing applications emerge with very specific business targets, evaluating, for example, whether or not an email is uh, crafted properly for its target recipient, and using enormous amounts of data. Uh, from historical experiences of email interactions in order to make that kind of decision. That's the kind of application that you won't see IBM probably climb down to because of its granularity and its particular application. But there's a startup that does it. And I can easily see them partnering with the marketing technology generators who would benefit from that. So what we think we're going to see, is that the largest vendors will continue to invest and benefit from their tremendous resource base. But smaller vendors will absolutely emerge who offer software services and capabilities that will directly address the kinds of things that our clients are facing right now. And by getting down closer to the problem, they'll be able to deliver a solution in a very compelling fashion.
0: One of the other uh, predictions in the note I was looking at where it really stood out was by 2019, artificial intelligence platform services will cannibalize revenues for 30% of market-leading companies. How so? If you're in a business which
1: scales based on the application of human insight Um, especially something which might look like intuition today but which sufficiently reduced and analyzed uh, can be determined to be analytical as well, then you face a challenge from uh, an artificial intelligence-driven either competitor or internal um, capability that can perform the tasks that realize some of that value. So if right now you're relying on something that's, and I quote, you know, kind of an imaginary person, this is so complicated, no machine can do it, or there's so much nuance to this, or our experience here is so great that we know what customers want at an aggregate level. If you can apply machine learning and artificial intelligence technologies to discover that kind of thing, then you can take some of the value out of what is kind of a human opacity and apply it in a machine intelligence-driven environment, which might be less opaque and which might be able to act at a more granular and specific level. So, I give the example of analyzing marketing copy in order to make it particular for an individual recipient. That's the kind of experience that a human can be really amazing at. You know, having that sense of the way that people want to be communicated to, I see that kind of colloquial. Interaction from some of the consumer vendors that I interact with. And I'm like, ooh, that makes me feel really great. I love the way that they just addressed me and what they're telling me. You know, at an aggregate level, a human can do work there that, you know, you can't imagine a machine doing. But a machine might be able to tweak that capability. And so you have impact on human practitioners of. Arts that up until now have been thought of as exclusively the purview of a human expert. In the future, some of that value can come from augmentation through artificial intelligence. And if the human can reduce the amount of time that he or she spends on that, they can charge less. For organizations that rely on human time to scale their business, that will be a very disruptive experience.
0: So there's so much that we could cover here, Witt, and it's such both a broad topic and also one that's really still for all we've done in the nascent stages. What are the steps we need to be taking right now to put ourselves in a position to best harness artificial intelligence as it develops, as the applications broaden?
1: We tell organizations to embark on an experimental pilot project in 2017. We have a special report scheduled for uh, fall of 2017, which will address a a wide variety of different practicalities in the actual application of artificial intelligence. Right now, we believe that organizations who have the resources should be expanding their capability uh, to address things through a data science perspective. Um, A portfolio of projects to address will initially follow whatever they do um, in terms of establishing experimental pilot projects. Down the road, what I tell people is if you have more data than you could possibly think about, that's the place where your machine learning and artificial intelligence will be able to take advantage of its capability to winnow through and analyze previously unimaginable amounts of information in order to measure the impact of the business outcomes that it recommends and improve what you're doing now. Uh, Whether that's revenue-facing or whether that's cost-facing, the applications of machine intelligence, artificial intelligence, and machine learning are available and within your reach this
0: year. Wit, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to talk. Thank you, Scott. Whit Andrews is a research vice president and distinguished analyst at Gartner. He will also be speaking at the Gartner Data and Analytics Summit set for March 6th to 9th in Grapevine, Texas. You can get details on the Texas event, plus several other stops for the summit across the globe at Gartner.com slash events slash bi. You also can learn more about artificial intelligence and related topics in the many webinars at Gartner.com webinars. And make sure to subscribe to ThinkCast via iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. And let us know how we're doing by giving us a rating. I'm Scott Smith. Thanks for listening.